0: Hi everybody, my name is Bisham Badass and a lot of you know me as Britain's first Asian plus size model. A lot of you who have been following me know that I'm extremely passionate when it comes to body positivity, body confidence and also talking about diversity in media. So we actually decided that we wanted to come together and do a podcast. And now you must be thinking, who are we? Well, I'm here with my bestie, Suhari Gandhi, who is an actress in the UK and in India. She's a model and one very big achievement that I'm extremely proud of, which she has achieved. She's also known as Miss India UK. So the both of us um, actually came together to do this podcast but the interesting thing is both of us are actually coincidentally law graduates as well and the first time we ever met was actually in a pageant. So where we were supposed to be each other's competition we actually turned out to be best friends and supporters of each other for life.
1: Yeah so It was an amazing journey, getting to know each other and finding out that we have so much in common. We built this amazing friendship. It's been five years, I think, and we're going strong. Um, So both Bishamber and I were on a three-hour road trip. And by the time we reached our destination, we realized we hadn't turned on the music, um, stopped for food, which we usually do, um, because we were so engrossed in our conversation. We were talking about all sorts of topics from relationships to life, to spirituality, um, to the media, the entertainment world, um, families and all sorts of things. And it really lifted our spirits we thought, wouldn't it be great if this conversation could have been recorded so that other people could listen to it as well? And that's why we started our
0: podcast. That's right. And actually, we thought very long and hard about what today's podcast um, actually needs to be around. And we thought we're going to have a very thought-provoking conversation around body positivity and confidence, our experiences of participating in pageants, um, and what it's basically like. Um, to be under the spotlight as well and other related um, sort of things and topics to um, them scenarios and circumstances that we've both experienced so we're going to be very very open we're going to be very vulnerable and speak our truth our own personal experiences some of them which we've probably never shared with each other before
1: so B, um, being the first Asian plus size model, how have you arrived to a place where you're so comfortable with who you are um, in a world, to be honest, that
0: worships and puts value on skinniness? See, um, it's really, really difficult, um, Sahani. And it's taken a a long time to get to this situation um, and to basically gain this level of confidence, which I have, you know, I've been doing this um, now and being in the spotlight as such sort of for the past five years. And when I first started off, I was extremely vulnerable then as well, because I had no idea what I was walking into and what to expect. And I certainly am vulnerable um, on some days as well, even today, you know, because I'm a woman and I'm a human being. Um, so there's a lot of things that I've learned which have helped me to, um, you know, become more confident and comfortable with myself as a woman, um, as an individual as well. Um, and the first and most important thing was, you know, sort of understanding what body positivity was and what body confidence is. Now, it's only quite recently, I'd say that I've been able to truly distinguish a difference between them. Um, You know, we see a lot of people and thankfully, um, and I'm really thankful that social media now is showing that side too, because we do need to have true perspective when it comes to, um, you know, people that we follow, um, or even keep as idols in our lives as such. Um, You know, I wasn't able to understand what body positivity was and what confidence was and how it's important for me in my life and how I should practice it we see a lot of people talking about it um but you know when you need to apply it to your everyday life are we actually doing it the right way is the question and um I certainly wasn't. So, you know, a lot of people look to me for, you know, saying, oh, Bishambi, you're very body positive yourself. How can we make things better for ourselves as well and feel the same confidence that you do? Um, I really had to take a step back and understand that I might be body positive because I believe that all bodies whether regardless of your size um regardless of your gender or regardless of your ethnic minority if you're an ethnic minority or your race or you know anything or disability you know everybody is um a positive body that basically deserves respect. Everyone deserves that regardless. Um, so you could be body positive, but you might not necessarily be body confident. And I'll give you a very beautiful example of that. So I, amongst my friend circle, would very easily you know, tell them, oh, you look absolutely beautiful. I mean, many times, Sahani, I always tell you, you know, you look gorgeous in what you're wearing, um, you know, and your body looks great, your skin looks great. And I would give you all the positive things, um, you know, as any friend should uh, to another friend sometimes to uplift, uplift their spirit as well. But I wouldn't necessarily apply that to myself. Um, I wouldn't necessarily feel that I'm deserving of that respect and that love too. So I could be positive towards other people, but I didn't have that confidence to be like that for myself. Um, And I think that's when I truly understood the difference in between body positivity and body confidence. Um, And I think it's really, really important for people to actually not just say the words, but actually to talk the talk and actually understand what it really is.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's a really interesting point that you've brought up, that we don't actually understand some of these words and what they mean. For example, body confidence and body positivity, they're sort of used interchangeably in the media. And actually, the difference is there. It's quite stark. You, Body confidence is something that fluctuates. Um, I don't think it's a realistic goal to always be body Confident. Mm. I mean, that could change. One morning, you could you could wake up and you might not feel com- um, confident in your body, and that's okay. Um, as long as your body positive, so as long as you're appreciating all types of bodies, the flaws, everything. As long as your your vision of what a perfect body is is not so skewed and not so um, defined by the mainstream media. So that's an amazing point. I think we need to distinguish between the two. And just to throw another term in there, I I identify more closely to the term body neutrality. Now this is a new word on the block. Um, body positivity, of course, is for women to celebrate their bodies and and not see their flaws as something that that shouldn't be celebrated or shouldn't be owned. Um, everyone should feel comfortable in their body regardless of what the shape or size is. Um, but I think body neutrality is something which is slightly different and it's a different take on the whole issue. Uh, Jamila Jamil came up with the term and it's the idea that women's bodies should not just be objectified you know they shouldn't be commented on at all. So instead of saying I love how I look no no matter what um, we're saying I love what I think and I love who I am as a person and and putting more value into that so it's almost like taking a step back and detaching from your body not letting your body define who you are Um, it's sort of for me I'm I'm, um, into spirituality and it's sort of um, a meditation where you know when we meditate we say we're not our minds and we're not our bodies so we're almost detaching
0: ourselves from our bodies definitely and I think you know Coming back to the whole body positivity movement and you know how thankful I am also of it, it has actually, I think, kind of taken a bit of a, a U-turn and it's not really stayed true to, you know, the reason why it was ever created. Obviously, it was out there for marginalized groups and you know, for recognition and respect to be given to them, um, you know, people who associate to them groups as such. But a lot of and it's really interesting that you talk about you know body neutrality it's really interesting that I mean this is only personally my opinion but I do feel that a lot of the plus size fashion industry because obviously that's what I belong to the the plus size community as such I do believe that it's become quite sexualized um and I do feel that sometimes you know people are starting to become quite objectified um it's, you know, this whole movement was supposed to be out there to make women like me feel included, included. But actually, I've really started to become, you know, quite excluded from it. Um there's a lot of personal experiences that I've gone through as a model in particular, um, where I would, you know, because it's, it's human nature, um, especially for women to uh, compare themselves sometimes to other women. And I am a normal person in terms of my feelings and how I regulate myself. And sometimes I find myself doing that. That's my vulnerability, which I openly, um, you know, see and accept. And I know that I shouldn't be doing that. But sometimes you can't help it when you see that, you know, other people are doing extremely well, you only then compare to think and say, well, actually, for your own personal growth, where. Um, Am I kind of going wrong, maybe? What am I um, not doing, which others are doing? And the main thing that I could see, and again, it's not to ever put anybody down for their choices because we have the right to dress and be the way we see fit for ourselves. Our views should never be imposed onto anybody, but that also cannot be set as a benchmark for everybody to be the same too. So for example, like I said, a lot of um, beautiful plus size women who've given so much confidence confidence to many women regardless of their size around the world would pose in swim wearing lingerie but I feel like it's only become that right now um, and when I've refused to do so because it's not going to be making uh, money for agents or you know brands feel that their um, items or their uh, you know whatever their advertising is not going to be um, shown in the same light and not going to gain the same sort of you know um Uh, views and, um, you know, the eyes basically on the product as much as they want. People have you know, said to me, well, Bishamba, you don't fit into that because it's something that you refuse to do. And then I've lost out a campaign. Um, you know, fan following doesn't grow that much. And we all know how much emphasis we put on our following. Um, you know, especially the first thing a brand would say to you is, OK, so where is your following from? How many people follow you? How many views do you get per story, et cetera, et cetera? So we are kind of like, um, you know, just put you know valued based on how much attraction that we're getting and you know naturally you will then start to uh you know compare yourself to other people and and I kind of do feel that it is starting to become quite sexualized so it's really important that we understand these terms
1: I agree with you and um it's interesting you bring up that point because um I wanted to bring the example of Billie Eilish, a singer, very young singer. She's just 17 or 18 years old and she wears baggy clothes
0: all the time because she doesn't want to be sexualized or objectified in the media. You're right, actually. I really understand, um, Sahani. It's a really good point because for me, I think, you know, because, you know, people normally think, don't they, the more skin you show, the more confident you are. And that certainly has been my experience where I don't actually feel that, my confidence needs to be measured by the amount of skin that I am showing you know if we have the right to expose ourselves then we also should have the right to you know keep as modest as possible too and not be judged for that so it kind of works you know both ways but you're you're certainly right there it's um especially when you're part of an industry like this, because me and you both understand what it's like to work um, in it, certain people in it could be an agency that you're with. um, For example, they hold so much power and they are the true people that could bring change in this, you know, um, very fickle fashion industry sometimes because, you know, things are very, very difficult, which the average person um, on the street would not know about, um, you know, but they don't. A lot of people out there still are pushing these trends and they are still saying, well, actually, we'll only offer you a contract if you are willing to do lingerie, um, you know, because they know that that's the most money that is going to be bought into their agency via. But also at the same time, they don't stop and think, well, if I push and put this model forward for example to my clients with this totally new concept which by the way is not just a reflection of one or two people this is actually a reflection of a large proportion of society um you know then why are we not looking at including these people and these thoughts as well and putting that out very openly too so it's a very large topic and we probably have you know gone and expanded it but um it's really important to understand that Absolutely. And um,
1: just a question for you, Bea. Uh I know you've been called all sorts of things, especially on your social media. You get so many messages and comments. Um, the word fat... Uh, you've told me that you do get called fat a lot. Um, I personally find fat to be quite an offensive term. I would never use it myself to describe anyone. Um, I wouldn't want to use it as an adjective. Um, This is going to sound a bit funny, but fat is what we eat. Um, We aren't fat. Well, we are fat. All of us are made of fat, but we're also made of carbohydrates and protein and all of that. Um, We wouldn't call a really muscly person protein, for example. So... For me, I don't understand why fat is an adjective. I think the way people use it is really cruel. And, you know, someone could be very skinny but have a lot of fat in them. Um, It's not an accurate way to describe someone. What do you think of the word fat? Do you find it offensive?
0: To be really honest, Sahani, growing up, I absolutely despised the word. I hated it so much. It would break my heart and my soul. You could get into an argument with a complete stranger and even till this day, the first thing that would come out their mouth is bleep, 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 fat, bleep, bleep, bleep. You know, um, it's, it's what we do. You know, um, family members would make fat jokes because they felt it was their right. Um, and so on. And so you can imagine, obviously, the stigma that's attached to the word and how much damage it's done um, to many, many people around the world um, for many, many years. So I'm actually a point in my life now where the word fat is a word that I use to describe myself. Um, you know, I don't take offense when anybody calls me fat, because it's a fact, I am fat. Um, I very openly to describe myself would say, And I was the only fat girl in that pageant, for example. That's a line that I've used many times when I've described a beauty pageant that I was part of as the only plus size woman. Um, So for me, I just want to break free from that stigma because I have experienced the hurt and pain that it's given to me for so many years that now I refuse to feel that feeling again. Yeah, and and that is quite hurtful, actually,
1: the fact that You've become desensitized to this word because you've had it said to you so many times. Um, I want to flip the coin a little and talk about how, when I was when I was growing up, um, I was super super skinny, and people would usually think that if you're skinny, that's great. That would give you so much self confidence. That's why people want to lose weight in the first place. But I remember feeling so awkward, so um, you know, lacking on so much confidence because. I didn't feel comfortable in my skinny body. Um, I wanted to put on weight, but it wasn't possible for me at that time to put on weight, no matter how much food I ate. Um, I I remember I would wear leggings a lot because jeans would look so baggy on me and I felt like I didn't have any shape or curves. Um, and I was really underconfident because of that frame I had. And then when I was a teenager, I sort of put on weight and then lost weight again. Um, But I was never really happy with my body. And it's only now that I've become comfortable. But that's because of this fluctuating journey of not being happy, when I was skinny, then not being happy when I put on weight, and then, you know, again, losing it and still not being happy. And I thought, screw all of this. I am what I am. My body serves me. It has an amazing purpose. I'm able to do the work I do because of my body. And I'm going to love it no matter what, which, of course, is the body positivity movement. Um, And I'm also going to detach from it, which is the body neutrality movement. And I think a little bit of both is a really healthy way to have a mindset to keep you sane and keep you connected to yourself and not be brainwashed by what's happening in the media, the message they're projecting. And let's remember, let's be very honest, that their message is only to serve their profits. It's a business, all of these brands um, and pageants as well. And we're going to get onto that a little later. Their main purpose is to make profits and to profit from
0: our insecurities definitely and it's really really interesting because obviously there's two you know ends of spectrums here so here's you somebody who I would look at you and think wow you're in shape um you know especially growing up as a child I would have died to have your body shape and to been like you and it's also so interesting you know thinking me thinking that my happiness would have completely my life would have changed my world would have been a much happier place if I looked like somebody like you but then to actually hear that you are so unhappy with your body even though you were in my ideal body type that actually you weren't happy I just find that um really fascinating and it's like um it's a truth it's like we all have different truths we all um you know we we all aspire towards different different things and it's who's to say what is perfect because everybody's you know own sort of um idea of perfect is so different but you know let's let's talk about our pageant experiences because obviously that is somewhere where you know where me and you met um I think it must have been about five years ago now right yes happy five year anniversary B thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) so we met a we met at a pageant and we were both at opposite ends of the spectrum I think at that time I was on a slightly skinnier side and B you were a lot larger than Mm -hmm. you are today um and you sort of felt like you were out of place, um, being judged by a lot of the girls
0: there. Definitely. I mean, when I got into the, I will never forget this, So we actually met on um, the auditions, didn't we? Yeah. And I walked into the room and I think um, I walked in uh, one memory that Sahani's always shared with me that when I walked into the room, she thought I was very angry. (laughs) (laughs) She said I had a very angry face, Um, but I wasn't. That was just probably me masking my fears. I walked in, um, I was completely scared. I was out of, you know, my depth. I had no idea what I was doing. I've never been in a situation like that before. And I was extremely intimidated. I was the only plus size woman there. And I'm amongst these super slim, tall, beautiful looking, um, you know, model type girls. And here's me, like I said before, the only fat girl who was around size 18 to 20 at the time. Um, And I did not think the slightest that I would um, hold, you know, any title, let alone, um, you know, anything. Um, I didn't think I was going to win. I just thought that I was going to give my audition. And actually, I was content with the fact that I had gone, and I was going to give my my audition. And that was an achievement in itself for me in my mind. Um, I didn't think at all that, you know, the journey would then go on, which we will talk about a little bit later. Um, But yeah, it was an extremely intimidating uh, moment for me. But then I kind of had like a light bulb moment um, in my mind. And I thought, what is this one, thing that sets me so different to the rest of these girls and that was my body shape. So where I was told all my life that that's a negative and I don't want to be looking the way I am and that I should aspire to be much thinner like all these other 10 girls in that room, I actually thought, well no, this is my positive. This is something that is my identity. This is me. This is Bishambada. She is different and I'm not going to be defined by what my body shape is. Um and that's where things really change for me. And you know what,
1: B, I actually saw that awakening within you, that transformation over time, because the first time we met, um, yes, you had this hard exterior. I think maybe you were looking around trying to see where you fit in. And it was the first time that you'd been in this situation. Same with me as well. And we were all quite nervous. Luckily, both of us got through um, to the second round to Miss India Europe, and we were competing there again. But the transformation I saw at that point was that you didn't care about what anyone thought. You knew you were there for a purpose. You totally owned that stage. You said that I'm the only plus size woman here. And I'm, I'm very confident in myself. Suddenly your game changed. And I think, I think you must have internalized everything that has happened to you and thought that this is a platform that I can use to actually make a difference in society. And that's why I know pageants do seem very relevant in this day and age and rightly so. Um, what criteria are we judging women on? But at the same time, it's given you such an amazing platform to impact women um, on from all body shapes and sizes. The fact that you had the courage to participate in the pageant and Actually, get your title from it, um, and create this movement from it is
0: incredible, and it's it's given you this platform. So I'm very proud of you. Thank you so much. And you know, you're so right. My game did change. um, You know, because the first thing was, like I said, we go and we, you know, we do our audition, hoping for the best. And then when you finally get through, I kind of then had a second light bulb moment, and I thought to myself, well. I'm probably not going to win this, but this doesn't mean that my journey has ended here. And that's why it's so important to understand that if you are going to be part of a pageant, you know, that you realize that there's pros and cons to it. Now, I've been very lucky to uh, be a contestant in a pageant. And I've also been very lucky, um, you know, in my career to also judge a number of pageants as well. Now, there's... You know, like I said, there's great positive points, which you touched upon, Sahani, here, where you can use this platform regardless of if you win, because you don't need to win to use a platform um, and, you know, put a message, a really strong message out to the world to better society, for the betterment of a lot of people. Um, But there's also a lot of negative points, too. You know, and I've come to experience that throughout my career when I've actually seen that how a lot of people who run these pageants can be people who actually exploit, um, you know, women in particular, um, as it's, you know, women normally who are taking part in these pageants. Um, you know, we have to understand that why is a pageant happening? The pageant's happening because it's purely a business a pageant's is not happening because they absolutely care about uh, your individual beauty or even the good and bad, um, you know, characteristics that you hold. Um, You know, they're they're doing this because they purely want to make money out of it. And that could be through taking large amounts of fees from you um, as a contestant, from the sponsorship money that they would get for people who want to associate themselves to them, um, to their brand, Um, you know, um, even selling tickets for your family members to come along which can be very very expensive um you know so it's about making money for them and that's why the ultimate question which you absolutely need to be asking yourself is that is your self-worth going to be coming from um somebody's ability of making money from you um Is that really where your self-worth comes from? Or does your self-worth actually come from um, who you are, who your core is, what makes your soul happy, what your passion, your fire, your purpose is? Is that where your self-worth comes from? But you know, talking about pageants, Sahani, I know that obviously we met at the first pageant, um, which was a more cultural sort of pageant. um, But I know that you went on to do much more serious type pageants as well. So when I mean more serious, I mean you also went on to um, try your fate for Miss India. Um, You've also were part of uh, Miss India UK as well. Um, How was your experience different? Because obviously I can imagine the competition would have been massively tough especially if you're not only representing um an area or a city you are actually going to be representing your country India the second largest population in the world
1: that's a really good question Bee. um so there were two other big pageants that I was a part of one was Miss India UK like you said so I'd got down i um got and selected to compete at Miss World Miss India Worldwide and that was an incredibly competitive pageant Uh, there were girls from over 40 countries all around the world and Everyone was in it to win. It was very clear from the start. So everyone came very groomed, very trained. They'd had um, personal choreographers, really expensive dresses, um, a lot of sponsors. And I, um, being me, <laughs> I had just finished my exams at university and I had five days to prepare. And I, did, I had a very low budget because Obviously I was a university student at the time and I remember I picked up, this is quite funny actually, I picked up a dress um, from Debenhams or somewhere and it was like a 150 or 200 pound dress and then I picked up some jewellery from Primark, Um, didn't really spend too much time or money on any of the preparation got my dance choreographed, I mean, I choreographed it by myself, um, quickly stitched together this dance outfit, and that was it. I was, I, I boarded my flight and I was thrown into the deep end, and I actually came in the top five, which was such a surprise to me because I felt so underprepared, and I could see girls, I mean, some girls were really disappointed because it seemed like I hadn't prepared and I just sort of turned up and things worked out for me, um... So that that was one experience of a pageant. Um, Miss India, India, so the actual one that goes to Miss World, um, that was a really disheartening experience, uh, only because I felt like the only thing they cared about was how tall you are and how skinny you are. They did not care about personality like the rest of these pageants. They didn't care about talent like the other pageants. And it was all about the way you can walk and the way your body looks so i only got to the top 10 or something like that in the regional pageant um and I felt like I was the shortest girl there. I'm five foot seven, by the way. And I felt like I was the curviest girl there. And I'm a size eight, by the way. So it's really interesting to see how these standards and criteria for marking pageants change according to the culture and the country. And I, I was really surprised to see that in India, they didn't care about the question and answer round at that stage. Um, girls who had given really odd answers had gotten selected um, but who are very polished at their walk and their bodies and everything so you can't change yourself according to this criteria you can only be yourself and that's important
0: totally agree with you and um Another thing, um, which I want to share is obviously, you know, I've been saying that I've been doing plus size modeling for five years. I have only recently signed my first major contract with a reputable, um, and a very good understanding, uh, modeling agency. But prior to that, I had many meetings set up with, um, different modeling agencies. And one thing, um, which I will, I laugh at now, but at the time it really upset me. Um, I lost out on a major modeling contract because of my eyebrows, as crazy as that sounds. Um, you know, I got told that my eyebrows didn't look natural enough and that might be a thing up North, meaning because I'm from Derby, um, you know, but it's not something that's acceptable here in London and therefore they would not be able to offer me, um, you know, the contract as such. It's really, really difficult. Um, you know, trying to fit in to please other people.
1: So I think this conversation is really important because we've talked about what we've been through. Um, It's not been an easy journey. You in the plus size industry and me, as a girl who's a size eight to 10, I've also faced similar challenges, obviously not to the extent you have, but I've also been affected by it. So that means regardless of your size or shape, This is what women of our day and age are going through. And I've really enjoyed talking about this. I think these are conversations we should be having with our friends, um, with our partners, and this is what's going to lift our spirits, what's going to make us feel like we belong in society no matter what. And we just need to spread this awareness and this feeling of being in control of
0: ourselves and our lives. And I couldn't agree with you more. It's so important, like you said, that we have these conversations because we are all individuals and there is beauty in being um, different. That is something that I have always advocated. Um, It's something that I stand by till the end of time. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We really, really hope that our experiences have been able to shed some light, um, you know, on... Basically, what is out there, what a lot of people have to go through, um, and hopefully that it's an experience that I pray that you don't have to ever experience as well. If we can openly have these conversations, we can basically help and support each other from falling prey to the same things again and again.